0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Mr. Jordan Miller of Humble... But hungry fitness coming to us from Austin, Texas. Jordan, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. I am. I'm fired up to to pick your brain on this and and see what's underneath the hood of humble but hungry. And so, for some background and context here for people listening, before we get into the business side of things, mm-hmm. humble but hungry. When you describe what this
2: is. What do you tell people? How do you, how do you talk about this? So I like to think, I think of like humble is, you know, not being too flashy, not, you know, flexing your biceps with your shirt off. And, um, because that's pretty much how I am. I'm a, a pretty, uh, uh, to myself kind of guy, you know, not, not too flashy, but I also, With the hungry aspect, I don't want people to think that, like, you can't work hard. And, you know, um, it's really, I feel like sometimes if, you know, you think of the word humble and it's kind of like reserved, you know, calm, conservative, but I like to think that you can be that and also just be an animal in the gym or just, you know, being an animal in life at at the uh, the you know, at the same time, kind of let your accomplishment, accomplishments, like speak for yourself, as opposed to you like telling people your accomplishments, you know?
1: Yeah. Now, this is obviously the brand that you're operating your business under. Take us back to the, the origins of this. The day, not necessarily the day that the, that we started the business and got things off the ground. Take me to the day that the idea popped into your head. I'm going to do this on my own. What was going on
2: and, and how did we get here in the first place? Um, yeah, so I, I trained at Gold's Gym for about five years, but uh, once the pandemic hit, I, uh, I was furloughed and I had a couple months to where I needed to, you know, bring in some income and pay for rent, pay for bills. So, I mean, the few skills I have is being a personal trainer. So I just pretty much kind of right then and there started, you know, my own, my own business without having a name yet or anything just more literally just trying to survive so
1: this was a product of the pandemic as many fitness businesses were mm-hmm. what's the biggest difference in your mind between when you were an employee as a trainer and now running your own show
2: what are what are kind of the, the most noticeable differences um probably just you know, everything's on me, Um, and I like to think of that more, honestly, more from the negative side, so, like, I would be working at Gold's, and something would happen from the corporate side, or some administration would, like, mess up something with my client, and I was, kind of, like, indirectly affected, or, like, you know, yeah, I was, I was one who was affected, and so, When I'm now running my own business, you know, obviously I'm not perfect. I'm not, I make mistakes. So it's nice to like make mistakes and know that it's my fault as opposed to somebody else (laughs) messing up and like, and you know, it coming back on me.
3: Yeah.
1: So many times I hear the businesses like this get started because we've been working somewhere else and I had just seen time and time again how I didn't want things to run. And that was enough. Eventually something snapped and we decided I could do this on my own and I could do it in a better way for sure. grab a pot of coffee and, and let's make this happen. So in the, the two, two plus years you've been doing this now, mm-hmm. what's been, what's been your favorite part about being on your own and follow that up with what's been the most challenging part about being on your own.
2: Yeah. Um, Favorite part, um, probably, I've, I feel like I'm, I'm making like even kind of like deeper connections with my clients in a way. Um, I guess maybe that's because it is my brain, you know, it is my business, um, which, you know is a, is a huge part of the business to me personally. Like I would like think I'm a fairly personable person and I can have easy conversation and, and talk to people and, uh, and just like a lot of my clients have become like my really, really close friends. Um, so just kind of, I guess this is, you know, instead of the negative, uh, all the positive is kind of on me as well. Um, um, And probably the most challenging is got to be just the actual business side of it. You know, I'm still very new to this. I feel like I still have a lot to learn. Um, I recently just hired a business manager, which is my wife, to help me, you know, organize these things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, still very, very, uh, a little bit intimidated with uh, just everything
1: on the business side be honest <laughs> i think that's it's not an uncommon theme on this show at least rare is it that that i hear somebody talking about i had this vision i had this dream of a gym or a business whatever it is and that vision includes sitting on Facebook running ads that vision yeah. includes on a CRM managing the back end it's it's usually I had a vision of this big grand facility training all of these clients all of this shiny new equipment for sure but there is an entire other side of things that that goes unseen and for a new business owner I mean in the grand scheme of things two years is a short track of time for a new business owner I completely understand that's so much of the reason why we started this show in the first place so Mm
2: -hmm. let's
1: explore it a little bit jordan uh two years of doing this a lot of people listen to this show exclusively to hear how other people are finding new clients and what they're doing to to fill out their rosters so for you what's been what's been successful and what hasn't been so successful from a a quote-unquote marketing standpoint Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, probably the least successful part or type of marketing I've done is, is the paid stuff. So like through Instagram, I've done a little bit of Google, I've done, um, Nextdoor, thumbtack bark. And I mean, it's not to say I haven't gotten some clients from them, but it never seems like the return that's, is worth it or, like, kind of that they, like, advertise, which, like, I'm not saying, you know, that they're, like, a bad company in any way. Though Those companies are bad companies in any way. Um, but it just, yeah, it just, ha- it really hasn't panned out for me. Maybe that's partly on me. I'm not too sure, but... Uh, Why do you think it is? I truly don't know. I mean, I, I guess I also, I haven't done enough of it especially like the targeted stuff um yeah. whereas like Thumbtack and Bark are a little bit more just kind of generalized but like once you get into Facebook and Instagram it's a little more targeted and maybe it's partly on me to where I don't know who to target I don't know how to target I don't my actual maybe my actual ad is not appealing possibly um I have that's a good question uh Specifically regarding this,
1: and, and I make the analogy all the time in fitness of like, if somebody walked through your doors on day one, we probably wouldn't, if they have rarely exercised ever, we probably wouldn't have them barbell snatching or doing crazy gymnastics, muscle ups, whatever it happens to be, because it's a little bit more advanced. Is it unrealistic for them to never do those things? No, but if they tried it day one, it would probably look pretty shitty, right? Right. It would probably be poor results. I think this is—it's something in our industry that gets a bad rap, and and I think you're definitely not alone in that boat. I think it is just something that requires time and reps to learn. Right but it's hard it's a skill at the end of the day and it's it takes sure. some effort and some energy and potentially some guidance but anyway yeah how have you found success finding your clients then
2: um i would say probably mostly from uh mostly from social media and also i think um i don't know if this would technically fall under social media but just like through my like google business account and like Posting photos and updates and offers and stuff there. Um have really that's you know been my biggest kind of uh funnel for clients. Yeah. And it's hard for us uh in the category of fitness
1: people to put ourselves in the mind of somebody who doesn't live and breathe the gym. But if I'm somebody looking for a trainer, or a new gym, or a coach, or whatever the title happens to be. I'm probably going to one of a handful of places, and it's usually Google or Facebook or Instagram. And so, for you, right. when you say that, it makes a lot of sense to me. At least those are where the eyeballs are. If people right. find us, there's a there's a good likelihood that we can at least start a conversation from there. Right. Beyond that, uh, the weeds interested parties are, are only half the battle. I'm sure you've you've seen this and experienced it. Mm-hmm. When somebody's interested looking for a trainer or a coach, walk me through the, the quote unquote sales process. How does somebody actually go
2: about signing up to work with you? So if they you know if contact me in any way, um my you know my big selling point is is uh if they're gonna be in person to come to my gym. Um, I do some traveling or, or some virtual, but it's just that a uh, free session to just, you know, get myself my product in front of them. And um, I mean, not to be cocky, but I feel like usually if I can get in front of them, I have a a fairly high chance of of uh, of bringing them on in some way, you know, whether it's five times a week or maybe I just send them a couple of workouts a week because um, I am, you know, pretty confident in my abilities of being a trainer and again I like to think I'm a pretty personable person so like if I get in front of them it's I feel pretty confident but so the goal being to get them to the physical location first and
1: foremost is that right right. yeah that would be you know the best case scenario for sure from there and there's a million ways to go about this so let me kind of pick your brain on this is it We sit down we talk about goals we talk about past experience we talk about different offers is the first move from there like a free session or a trial workout how do you how do you actually take them through that process
2: yeah so we i basically just ask them every every possible question i can think of kind of as we're going through um an actual session now it's you know the actual session is going to be much lighter less reps you know not as crazy to kind of get a a feel for injuries how they move like their experience in general and you know by the end of that first session that's that's all the information I pretty much need um because yeah all the information and just seeing how they move is just a huge 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 thing I used to be kind of intimidated uh when I first started of having anybody do anything that I didn't know about, you know, because I thought, what if they like do an air squat and like shatter their ankle or something, which was, you know, a little unrealistic, but, uh, I think I've learned more and more from trainers, whether they're my friends or like online that just having people move within reason is, you know, gives you a lot of information about them and, and what they need and, and what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Beyond that,
1: for somebody in your position with this sort of a business model, the, the real battle is going to be won and lost in keeping clients, not just signing up and hamster wheeling, but we want to maintain this roster as long as we can. What do you focus on? What do you think is most impactful for somebody to stick with you for the long haul?
2: Um, probably two things is one that they just, they actually enjoy it. Um, I think if you have to go somewhere two to three times a week and like do something that like you hate every single second of it and like you do it with a person that you don't like you're going to be much less likely to you know continue for a long time so I you know we get work done but try to enjoy ourselves at the same time um and also just like kind of telling them their accomplishments you know what I mean because a lot of times we just get fixed on like the number on the scale. But like, if, if we were doing five pull-ups and like the five pull-ups looked easier this week than they did last week, still five pull-ups, but something as simple as like, like, hey, like those looked easier and they'll go, oh yeah, like they were kind of easier. And just kind of simple things like that to sh- let them know their progress and let them know they're working hard and, and, and doing the right things. Yeah, completely understood. It can be a
1: mental challenge to come back, even for those of us that are dedicated to the gym like you and I, but for people who aren't as bought in, those reminders are are crucial. I agree 100%. Now, Jordan, our conversation has basically been, how would you get here? What do things look like now? Mm-hmm. As you look to the future and, and sort of forecast out where you want this whole thing to go. What comes to mind? Where do you see your business in, in a year from now?
2: Um, I mean, ideally a, a packed schedule, you know, eight hours a day, but I would also like to expand more from um, uh, just one-on-one to, to more classes and to more um, online programming. Um, so in terms of like income it's a little more stable as opposed to just you know if I have just one-on-one clients then that definitely has like a season you know beginning of the year is super busy summer is a little lower end of the years a little lower um, and yeah just kind of like diversifying business a little bit and just being a little more more just confident in it in general, never really having to worry, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One final yeah. question that'll sort of begin to wrap things up for us. You mentioned the the knowledge and the the skill of being a business owner being sitting in the back of your mind at least. But what do you think as you move on with humble but hungry, what do you think could be some potential challenges or potential hurdles for your business to overcome
2: um i mean i don't know if these are potential hurdles because it's kind of a hurdle right now is just getting in front of people um just really the whole marketing side of it um but i mean you know maybe a good problem that i, I might possibly have is you know either having too many clients or not having needing to move to another space to kind of accommodate, um, the growth in the business, um, which that I guess, you know, that's a good thing. And the business is growing so much, but it's also just creates a whole nother, um, everything logistics, uh, pressure, little intimidation, like, so, yeah that I mean as definitely like a double-edged sword which even thinking about it right now it kind of scares me a little bit ironically but
1: <laughs> um I think that's a good thing my my experience in this space tells me that when something makes you shake a little bit or, or makes you sweat it's probably the direction that we should head at some point but entrepreneurship's a fun game and at the end of the day it's your business and you get to make the rules so that's that's part of what you said was one of the, your favorite things about it early on for sure yeah jordan i, I want to save here at least a minute or two for you to be able to tell people where they can find out more about what you do you mentioned social media mm-hmm. where can people connect with you how do they find you
2: so my website is humblebuthungryfitness.com um my instagram is at humblebuthungryfitness uh facebook is uh, i have a page humble but hungry fitness as well um i believe that's it i mean obviously you can google there's actually one of the my favorite things about my name is not very many people have it uh that's one of the reasons i like it so much so it's it's a little bit easier to find me even on the internet um because i don't think there's a humble but hungry fitness possibly anywhere at least you know definitely within my my local area of like austin texas so um yeah you can google humble hungry fitness austin texas and i i should come up
1: there we go shout out to this seo of humble hungry <laughs> connect with jordan and those platforms that you just mentioned this has been awesome man i always enjoy these types of conversations and, and getting to see a look behind the curtain into what owners are thinking about when it comes to decisions and, and how to run their business. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. Cause it sounds like we still have some, some decisions to make and, and some cards to be played. So for now, that's all the time we have, but I wish you nothing but the best. Take care. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today. Thank you as well. Don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money,
4: I will be your host today, and my name is Joseph. Joining us on the show are Dan and Darren from Elevate Fitness, located over in Peterborough, United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, you guys. How are you both doing today?
5: Good.
4: Good. I am uh, happy to have you guys here today to learn more about what you guys have going on at Elevate Fitness. But before we dive into the fun business side of things, why don't you both share your inspirations behind Becoming gym owners.
5: Um, where your background is. Yeah, so um, I'm Darren and yeah, so I I played professional rugby. Um so I to play for Northampton Saints, Bedford, Cambridge. So, yeah, that was my sort of first steps into, into training and, and fitness was playing professional sport and, and rugby. Um, I've still been sort of semi-professional and I'm still playing a little bit now, even at 41. Um, I'm head coach at a local club over in Peterborough that's linked with the gym as well. Um, and then 10 years ago, Um, I suffered a couple of injuries, broke my forearm, ruptured my bicep. I got the opportunity with a friend to start running my own fitness classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's where it started for me, running my own fitness classes, doing my own personal training and running my own business. Um, And that's when I first came across Dan as well. Um, And that was the first steps into it for me, really, coming out of my rugby, giving the opportunity to to sort of train and and pass on some of the knowledge I had from my rugby, really.
6: Okay. Yeah. So I came from a, a martial arts background, mm-hmm. um, competed for Great Britain, for all over the world in different places. And whilst I was doing that, I was teaching martial arts and doing a PT as well part time, and that led me into kind of doing more of that, and then ended up doing PT and classes full time. Mm-hmm. And then I was working from a facility, a little private facility within Peborough, and uh, yeah, Darren. Uh, started working at the same facility and we worked together for about seven years, seven years really. uh, and after about five years working together we started looking at various different opportunities and different places to set something up like this because over the time both of our clientele groups, our class groups kind of started all mingling together so we knew we had a bit of a vibe and a good community going mm-hmm. um, took us a couple of years to actually cement down what was going to happen We luckily we had Some very good friends that uh, put some money and some uh, investment behind uh, what is now Elevate Fitness Um, and yeah, that kind of then born what Elevate Fitness was. And we opened uh, in January of 2020 and we were open for about eight weeks before the pandemic hit, which was a great start. Yeah. Um, but luckily because we'd already built up a great community um, at our our previous facility, we literally just picked up who we had and dropped them into this place. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, the pandemic was a bit, uh, you know, it worked great, but we continued doing a lot of online stuff to keep everyone ticking. But as soon as we had the opportunity to get back in, uh, we've been heads down guns blazing and it's been growing from since there really. Nice. So you both come from a background of,
4: some type of physical activity, you know, rugby and martial arts, which is a really good combination to have there. So, um, opened up right before COVID hit. Why don't you share with our listeners your experience through that time period and how you guys are here now?
5: Yeah, it was difficult because we obviously do classes and done. As soon as COVID kicked, kicked in and we were, we were all isolated at home, Dan did that first class online on the Saturday, um, and we'd only been in lockdown for a couple of days, so that then meant I had to start doing online classes all on mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, and obviously that was quite a, it was a quite a big change for us. Yeah, yeah. quite a nerve-wracking thing to suddenly start, you know, putting yourself out there on social media um, to everybody to see. But obviously Dan started it. I had to jump in, and you know, for five or six months, I think we were doing we were doing five or six classes each yeah, it's on, on Facebook and Instagram to try and keep the people engaged, keep people training. Obviously, there weren't people moving as much, so that was it was quite a difficult period, but also quite a good learning opportunity, and and certainly took us out of our comfort zone a little bit.
6: Um, yeah, neither of us, we're old school. Uh, neither of us are. We're not. You know, we're not very comfortable in front of the camera sometimes on even now in front of social medias and stuff like that you know you're always very self-critical because it's something that at growing up it was not the normal you know we've grown up um, when social media wasn't around, so it's a, a very much thing that we, are as much as now, we're, we don't like a lot of it. We're we trying to kind of overcome some of our own barriers, and we, yeah, it's, especially the stuff we were putting out there online and on social media it was it was there was no idea of trying to create revenue. You know, everybody was struggling, so it was a lot of it was just putting it out there for anyone's use uh, and just trying to get all our current people, but anybody, just to keep moving. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, so you guys definitely had to go through that uncomfortable phase in order to be where you guys are today. So with where the gym is at, you know, today, literally January eighteenth, you know, two thousand twenty three. What is the elevator pitch for this gym? You know, what kind of services do you offer to your membership base?
6: So we are, uh, I suppose, we're a gym, but I suppose in some respect you want you kind of we're a studio. We don't have open gym uh so it's purely kind of personal training and class-based stuff Um, and it was always the way we wanted to kind of have that that that, uh, control to a degree but you know I've personally worked in a lot of commercial gyms and there's you know people can be a lot more efficient with their time and we Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure people are coached properly and especially from our own athletic backgrounds but we've always been coached and almost that point of, you know, you can't overemphasize that. Uh, what's the word? Like, the being coached is like it's priceless Yeah. rather than just going in there and doing whatever you want, you know, being productive with your time um, and getting in there and getting
5: it done. And again, as I said to you earlier, obviously the way we set up, because of the gym, <laughs> um, a lot of sort of call it functional st- Strength training and sort of mobility. We 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 got two sleds. We're very big with our sled work. Um, we've got some big heavy kettlebells, some strongman stuff, and then the CV stuff. So it's a good good hybrid of training properly. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, we what we what we say is what we do. We don't mess around, but also see the massive benefits of making that available for everybody. You know. Mm-hmm. Both mine, mine and Dan's parents both train with us, you know. Nice. He's approaching the 70s or whatever, you know, the importance of staying strong as we get older, you know, spreading that message and I think, you know, as much as we want to train properly we, and we can train younger, up and up-and-coming athletes mm-hmm. also we can adapt it to train older people that need to keep as much muscle mass and strength going into their later years and really, you know, wanting, wanting to help people um, Mm -hmm. and staying genuine to that.
6: Yeah. From, from a visual point of view, we're we're set up as a performance (laughs) center, athletic Mm -hmm. development, but it's one getting the athletes and um, those people moving, but it is, it's, you know, everything's scalable. So Mm -hmm. it's open to absolutely everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: So, you know, with this gym model, you guys are able to serve both ends of the spectrum. So, you know, general moms and pops, and also athletes who want to increase their sprint or their squat, deadlift, whatever that, you know, that may be. So, so with those two, you know, geographics, how many people are you guys serving right now?
6: Uh, I think we've got about 300 people um, on as a regular membership coming through the doors. Um, and yeah, that ranges from, yeah, from both spectrums.
4: Yeah. And it, you know, generally does like depend on the time of year. Cause sometimes it goes up, sometimes it like goes down, but roughly about 300. So, so how large is your space? I mean, that's a lot of
6: people. Oh my Lord. Someone asked me the other day, what size this space is? Um, I, I'm not actually sure. It's, um, about 20 meters square and we've got second floor as well. Yeah. Okay. So quite a (laughs) bit.
5: yeah it's not the big no I mean it's a reasonable size like I said we've got a we've got a big double lane 20 metre track that is the sort of focal point of it and then we've got an offshoot area with all our free weights in um, and, and sort of plenty of space obviously um when I started my own stuff, my bread and butter originally was a group classes, a big functional circuits, hit stroke classes, sort of based around a lot of my own experiences, again, with the rugby and, and, and getting people in, working hard and, and with all that. And something we've always prided ourselves on. We have a lot of different shapes and sizes, a lot of different abilities. Everybody's very welcoming and really, really big on that community feel. You know, we've been running our own Christmas dues and we're getting 80, 90 people, and we have some we have some a real good vibe of, of a family sort of friendship community. Um, that we're we bigger, sort of big on and, and, and pushing that side of it. There's no real egos that come in, you know, it's not the sort of gym, you know, you can you can be the fittest, you can be the strongest, but you know, and that's the way. And and even if you are, you think you're big and strong we get you on a sled. That can be quite humbling. You know, if, you haven't, if you're if you not used to training and training how we train sometimes, as big and strong as you think you are, you get you doing multiple sets on a sled, it's, still, it's soon going to humble you. And so everybody just gets their head down, works hard uh, and, and creates that supportive feel. Yeah, essentially we train
6: everybody that comes to the door to a degree like an athlete. Um, but, you know, the weights... And the set reps and everything, they're all the scalable things, you know, the principles of the movements don't change, you know, you, you everything is scalable to everybody. So we lay the map and everybody's got to run it.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're able to use that train method with both sides of the spectrum, you know, as we said, you know, before. Um, so. With the membership base right now, is like 300 people somewhere you guys want to stop at or eventually bring in some, you know, more people, add some more classes in and, you know, serve more people?
6: I mean, naturally throughout the timetable, you've always got some busier times and quieter times. Um, So, yeah, there's always room for more. Uh, And we've just branched out and opened up a brand new Cycle Studio uh, with the first UK PowerWatts studio in the country. Uh, So there's a big opportunity to drive uh, new people and a new kind of clientele range up there. Up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's always room for more.
4: Nice. I always like to hear that because it's a, a fun conversation to have here in the podcast. So, so what are you guys doing right now to consistently aid in that growth process from a marketing standpoint?
5: Um, we've got a, we've we've running our first own um, elevate games in February. Sort of a, a fitness comp. Um, which will be there's it's like a daily it's a paired competition um Mm -hmm. males 10 female pairs um there's four different workouts over the course of a day um so there's some strength blocks there's going to be a a, a sort of a course up in our new cycle sort of cycle studio um Mm -hmm. so generating some some stuff around there so it's not it's going to be unique to us. It'll have a bit of a CrossFit feel, but then it'll have some different elements to it. Um, so that should be quite interesting. It's going to be mm-hmm. tough for competitors, um, but that's a, a, another angle of trying to drum up some more, some more publicity. And um, more awareness. Yeah.
6: Yeah, we're, we're always trying to kind of spread our, uh, spread our word, spread our gospel of different things we're doing, trying to be as active as we can. Um, on social media, we've got a team of six of us in here and we've all got our own um, handle into this, our social feed. So everyone's always trying to push various different things we've got going on as a business as well as what we're all doing individually. So we're all trying to kind of spread our word that way. Um, you know, all the different kind of trying to use some of the uh, marketing um, advantages within like boosting posts and stuff like that within some of the social media things um we've luckily um the guys that put the investment into uh, the business they run uh luxury care homes um, and we're very lucky to have uh, a bit of a help and advice from their market team if we ever need it um so it's always nice to have a bit of a, another person's uh viewpoint on things but we have a few different uh, plenty of different team meetings within the group just our internal team the six of us always thrashing out new ideas and you know as a core group. We've we've always got things to kind of ways we can push new ideas and things to kind of spread spread the word.
4: Mm-hmm. So, how has your experience been so far with the you know boosting
6: posts and paid advertising? Um, <laughs> depends on what it's on. Um, it, I think the, the fitness industry is very uh, yeah it, everything within the fitness industry. Everybody's very physique orientated. Uh, and it's definitely not kind of what we necessarily are. Uh, you know, everything is more performance and lifestyle related. Um, but without a shadow of a doubt, uh, anything where you've got a top off or something like that, uh, the uh, uptake of uh, views is, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's completely different, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's for ourselves, it's not something we kind of re- really push. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be easy to kind of chuck up loads of pictures of us with our tops off and everything else all the time. But, no, it's not what we're about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about selling the physique. It's about selling the performance and the lifestyle stuff. So we do shy away from that. But without a shadow of a doubt, you know, tops off posts and stuff like that,
5: it does generate a lot more interest. Yeah. And We always struggled, uh, you know, as we spoke already we feel that we can cater for everybody and want to genuinely want to help everybody, not only physically, but mentally. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down and say, right, how do we target these different demographics and who are we targeting It's such a broad spectrum mm-hmm. that we don't want to pull anybody out. Um, but, you know, when we sat down with other companies about how they could help us, they want to be very sort of pinpointed on who we're going to try and um, go out to. But like I said, we want to help try and help everybody and get that message across. And sometimes being genuine on social media isn't the easiest thing to do no. because everybody's trying to sell you something, pretending they know what this, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of bullshit on there, to be, to be brutally honest. <laughs> and it's, it's using it for our, our means, but without getting too caught up in some of that, some of that negative side of it and some of the sort of yeah and again trying to stick to who we are and what we believe in getting that message across but without sort of muddying the water too much and it's a difficult balance.
6: Anybody with half a brain can bang a 12-week transformation (laughs) together and sell that and I know a lot of people that do sell these 12-week transformations and do very well financially um, and if I was in this game for a financial standpoint, I'd be doing the same thing, but it's not. That's not what I'm about. I love my coaching. I love being around the people in the community that want to better themselves mm-hmm. uh, rather than uh, what they necessarily look like in the mirror. You know, everybody wants to look good in the mirror, but, you know, there's a, there's a standpoint of doing it properly and doing it slowly rather than just, you know, doing it aggressively and not, um, not doing it properly. But, you know, we've always been... We practice what we preach, you know, what we what we do from a, a, a business point of view, from a training point of view. We don't do anything that we wouldn't be willing to do ourselves or have done ourselves. It's the same with, you know, the training element. We do cold exposure, the breath work. You know, we're very much we listen to a lot of books, a lot of podcasts and kind of try and keep up with all the various different latest scientific information and kind of just yeah putting stuff to test on our own bodies and our own selves to experience that
4: yeah it's like like using your guys's selves as like walking billboards to present to the prospective clients that come in um yeah. so so with your guys' approach of being able to serve both you know moms and pops and athletes have you guys done individual campaigns for athletes and for, you know, moms and pops, or has it been the general, you know, overall We've spectrum? Both. We've
6: yeah. done both. We've had pushes towards athletes.
5: <laughs> I think <laughs> the, the athlete side of it, um, that sort of is a bit more organic because of our backgrounds, you know, of naturally, you know, I, I trained quite a few younger sort of younger athletes, but that predominantly they've been more rugby based youths that that are trying to and in the first steps of trying to push on with their own rugby. So I've had a few from like 13, 14 up to sort of taking them through up to 16, 17 and trying to prepare them for the the demands of the sport that's coming. But obviously again with my my, my rugby background it opens up avenues, especially in Peterborough, that people know me from from rugby. So if they if they want their son or daughter to to start. Getting stronger for rugby or getting fitter for rugby, you know, it, it seems it's a natural progression to come and find me out. So I think more with the athlete side of it is more from what we've done in the past and yeah, yeah. And, and and our reputation, our own reputation for that, yeah. really. And we've also found within that, because we do quite
6: a lot of athletic performance development, that and that's not that we have done marketing campaigns and stuff like that on there, but we have got. Kind of that reputation, and we do have, especially for youth development, um, because there's a lot of a lot, a lot of the gyms in the area, whether they're commercial or independent, uh, they have uh, they don't do like kind of youth and children, which we we um, we don't shy away from or like that. So we do have a lot of youth development. Um, and parents contacting us for developing their children. That could be, we've found a lot, of, a lot of different sports and sporting backgrounds. Yeah. Um, so is that uh, like organic, like word of mouth? Uh, predominantly, we've, we've found a lot more organic growth. Word of mouth has been by far the best rather than a lot of the marketing campaigns. Um, it does feel sometimes you're chucking money down uh, down the throat of social media to get that. Um, a little bit more, few followers or, um, you know, a few more kind of engagement, but yeah, organic growth, we do find is the more productive. Um, at the same time, you know, we've, we don't put, we, we've done various different marketing campaigns on different subjects throughout the year and different times. Um, we don't do them all at the same time. We just kind of see where we need to at, at a different time. <clears throat> like we've just taken on a new trainer and she's uh, more of a women's health uh, specialist, so and she's um, started doing a a, a mums uh, workout group. Um, so you know, there's been a little bit more of a push to that side of things at the current moment because um, that's something we can now cater for a bit more.
4: Yeah. yeah, and and with her being inside the facility, you'll be able to like generate traffic for her specific you know ideal client which will also you know bring more revenue in and be able to serve more people
6: right yeah, yeah exactly. And this is you spread the word as soon as we get a new person in here uh, and they whether it's within a class or the mums group or whatever you know they speak to other people and it, it, it's, it spirals from there you know our retention rate um, is something along the lines of like 93 percent so we know once we get them in um, very much they're going to stay
5: yeah. um, and this is the, the sort of thing with it obviously we're both, we're both at a certain age we've both got young families as well so you know having somewhere and doing some social media stuff with our own kids in here training and sort of seeing, seeing that real side of us as well you know, um, so we're in that stage of our life and a couple of us, the other trainers, the, the lads that have invested, we're all at that certain stage of our life, so it's a different learning process for, for us, but having somewhere that we can all be here together, our kids are watching us train and they're going to grow up in this environment. Um, you know, I think other people looking from the outside, you know, that's quite a, it's quite a exciting or a, Uh, a prospect that would be quite good to do so you know we the parents are able to come and train in here as long as you know the kids can come and sit in reception we can keep an eye on them so there's we've got parents that train with us that wouldn't be able to train at another gym.
1: Yeah. because
5: we've got child care and different things like that and like I said that all adds to that sort of family that community. Friend, friend and community side of it so you know we're really again without harping on about that we're really big on creating that sort of feel to the place and, and staying genuine and, and, and really wanting to help people and the benefits of helping kids you know we all know you know we all know that children aren't moving around enough nowadays they'll, they'll be happy sitting on the phone playing the computers you know i think we've got a, you know as as adults we've got an obligation to try and help our children to be healthy adults yeah you know and 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 keep working on that and be be sort of a a, a shining light within peterborough um for that
4: yeah and you know for our listeners and your guys' experience. Would you guys, you know, recommend for, you know, our listeners to have that kind of gym model where you're able to serve both gen pop and athletes and also be able to bring the kids in?
6: Uh, if you've got the facilities and the structure to do it, yeah. You know, um, I, I wouldn't want it any other way. The community feel that we've got, um, you know, every, everybody's – we could have a class that's populated with general public and a couple of athletes. Um and everybody is on the same page, everybody puts the graft in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's that all together feel.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the uh <clears throat> community feel that we're able to cultivate throughout the gym, uh you know, environment. we might,
5: we might be able to do other stuff that we could maybe generate more revenue in the short term, for two, three years, but only, you know, we're not in it for two or three years, that the success of our business and the longevity of our business is if we're still doing it in 20 years' time. Yeah, And we've still got, you know, parents that we trained, their kids are now training in it. You know, our children have, have sort of taken over the reins and, and we've helped, we've helped people. You know, that's where the sort of benefits of our business is going to really come from. And the legacy that we're going to leave behind is by doing it properly. And, and like I said, not just doing it to try and make a quick buck for two or three years. You know, obviously we'd all like to make more money. But if you lose that, that being genuine and really being sincere and wanting to help people, I just think it's never going to be sustainable. No. You know, we're completely different to these other gyms that you can just turn up, paying, nobody talks to one another. You go and do your session, you disappear. We're not, we're not that sort of, we're not that sort of gym. No. And we don't, we don't want to go down that road. Um, and to the deck, you know, that might mean sacrificing a little bit of revenue in the short term, but in the long term, as I said, if we're still here in 15, 20 years time and and we've still got that great community going on and we're helping other people, we do a lot of charity work as well. We do organized events, you know, and again just creating that that feel that people are part of something, not just coming yeah, yeah. to train and then disappearing. You know, you you becoming part of the elevate family. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said we we really strong believers yeah. in that don't we? so.
4: Yeah, and you know, with that being said, I was about to ask you guys. You know, for our listeners, what is that one piece of advice that you guys would give to your young, well, to your guys' like younger self getting into gym ownership?
6: Just be genuine. Yeah, <laughs> you can't bullshit, bullshit. You know, you can't. There's no, you can't lie and try and kind of fake your way through stuff. Just, just, yeah, be honest with yourself and 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 be honest with people.
0: Yeah.
5: And yeah. and yeah, and just um, don't always go for the quick fix because nah. the quick fix don't work. And Dan's already touched on it. We don't, we're not playing at any of this. You know, we practice what we preach. Yep. You know, um, you know, we're not just putting it out. We're sitting in. We're not doing cold water therapy. We're not just doing it for a time. We, we we do this because it's part of our it's part of our practices. Yeah. You know, our breath work. It's not just throwing it out to get likes on social media. This is stuff that we've researched, gone away through the benefits of it. So everything we try and educate other people with, it's not just it's not just red context. This is felt and learnt behaviour that we feel the benefit of, that we think other people benefit. So there's a real understanding of what we're trying to help and educate other people with. It's because there are pillars of what yeah. we do. We're not just making it up or just read a bit of a text and throwing it out there. This is stuff that we we follow. And like I said, we practice what we preach you know, whether that's training, whether that's some of the other beneficial things that might help you physically and mentally as well. Um, And these are evolving in us all the time as we evolve and get older.
4: Yeah, And that reminds me of some lines that I read in a book by Jim Rohn. It's in his book, like The Power of Ambition. He speaks about how, you know, enlightened self-interest, like taking care of yourself. So in this case, cold therapy or breath work, since you're able to care for yourself and practice that and see the benefits, you're able to be of service to others and transfer that knowledge to them, which, you know, that's personally one of my favorite things about this industry. And, you know, what we all do with our work is that we're able to test it on ourselves first, which is what you guys have done from what I've hear, like heard today, and then you transfer over to your members so they can experience those benefits and change their lives um which i really appreciate i love that about yeah, you know,
6: and it's, it's, it's very much within the industry as well there's the whole kind of ethos of wanting to fuck everyone up all the time you know it's not about that it's about nurturing people yeah. you know you don't always you know there's a time and a place but you know you don't want to be coming into the gym and then crawling out every single session because it's, it's not it's not reality it's not you know it's about yeah just nurturing people
5: yeah
4: taking care of everyone and yourself yeah. and it's really, it's really how you, you do business well. Um, but both of you guys, it does look like we are running short on time here, but before we hop off of the episode, why don't you guys share your social medias and your website URL with our listeners so they can find you guys.
6: Uh, so the website is elevatefitnessuk.com. Uh, and our social feeds are elevatefitnessuk. UK. Um, so you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, I think someone's all about doing TikTok on, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> so. on the <laughs> Social media is, yeah. Is, uh, um, we do it because we need to. I don't if, if I didn't have to, I bloody wouldn't do. But, um, yeah. And then, um, and then what are you on?
5: Instagram, uh, Instagram uh, Dan Cumberworth, uh, Elevate Fitness, I think. And I'm, I'm Dan Fox, Fox Elevate. Fit. Yeah, so, um, and that's on Instagram. Um, and I think on Facebook, Fox Fitness and Health for myself. But yeah, Instagram's the main one. Um, So yeah, check us out, everybody. Thanks for having us. Yeah, find them
4: on there and uh, check them out. Well, guys, I want to thank you guys for hopping on today. It was a pleasure speaking with you both.
6: Cool. Cheers, mate. Thank you.
4: Of course. And to all of our listeners, we appreciate you as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym model, Click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up, right after this word from one of our sponsors.
7: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is John Wells, owner of Our Team Fitness in Oceanport, New Jersey. John, welcome to the show. How are you today?
3: Hey, Hannah. I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
7: Doing really good. I'm super excited to have you on. Uh, Before we dive into the business, I want to hear what made you want to start a gym in the first place? Yeah,
3: um, let me take you back. So it was uh, 2005. Um, I had aspirations to play college basketball and we were on our way to a basketball tournament and my friend was driving. We fishtailed he over cor- uh, counter-corrected, um, we spun off the road, slammed into a telephone pole, smashed my head into a car window, through the car window, and then we spun into a ditch and, you know, I actually died in that, um, I got brought back to life and med back to Lehigh Valley Hospital, um, I'm from Pennsylvania, and, um, I came back from that and it was, it was a life-changing experience. You know, I, I felt like I had support coming back from that, but the, the people that were supporting me didn't know how to help me come back from that. And it was a very lonely, it was a very challenging, emotional ride. Um, being able to, you know, I would walk out of a room and not remember where I was, you know, I had to relearn how to learn. I used to have a photographic memory, gone. Um, I, I had to relearn and, and, and do all of these things basically by myself because no one at the time really knew what head injuries were or anything like that. You know, it was like a, a Brett Favre mentality. You hit your head, you go back in the game and just rock it. So, um, I kind of wanted to become that beacon for people that were going through struggles that made them feel vulnerable, um, and, and be that outlet for them. So, you know, it evolved and I was 15 at the time of my car accident. So, you know, I'm going into, college here, no, and I want to open a gym, you know, what do I need to do to, to get from point A to point B here? So, um, it turned into our team fitness is a long story short. Um, and and that's, you know, that's, that's what my, my facility is all about. It is we're about changing people's lives. We're about not just having them be a gym member, but a family member. And and that connection that we build with people, it, it really sets us apart from what, you know, is around this
7: area here. Wow. John, that's amazing. So did you know you wanted to be a gym owner before the car accident?
3: I, I didn't. Um, I just wanted to, I was John the athlete. You know, I was, I, was, I looked at myself and I, and I went to a small school. So let me get that out of the way. So I'm not, I'm not like, prep, like talking about I was going to be a D1 athlete or anything like that, but um, I was a pretty good athlete in, in my town. And that was my focus is I wanted to get into to college athletics. Um, and then when I, you know, was coming back from the accident, it was, I don't even know if I want to go to college, you know, it kind of snuck up on me. I applied to one school. Uh, I went to Penn state. Um, and I went to a, a satellite campus first because I was afraid to go up to main campus. Cause I, I didn't learn the same that I did prior to the accident. Yeah. You know, as I was saying before um, I had to relearn how to, how to study, how to, how to, you know, let things absorb. Like most people would be like, I oh, shake someone's hand. I immediately forget their name. Like that was new for me. So, you know, I, I would, I guess the best way to describe it is if you're listening to someone talk it kind of imagine that chimpanzee with the symbols, that kind of like slaps the symbols together. That was kind of me um, listening to someone. So I wouldn't hear, you know, half the things or be able to retain half the things you were saying to me. So when I, when I did go up to main campus, uh, my first class had 250 kids in it and it was nattering. And then my second class which was immediately after it was in uh, 100 Thomas. And if you go, went to Penn state, you know, that's like the, the auditorium stadium seating classroom that has like over 500 seats in it. Um, I was for biology. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it was intense. So anyway, long story short with that one. Um, I did not know that I wanted to, to do that. Um, I just knew that I wanted to help people. And, and it took me till my junior year of college to get out of my own head of, you know, I can do this stuff on my own, I'm going to be able to help support other people, I had to figure out myself first. So once I was able to get past my own issues that I was dealing with, um, our team fitness kind of, I remember running on a trail out of Penn State and going like, our team fitness, like we're together, our team fitness, you know, we're all going to move forward together, we're all struggling with different things. How can we come together and turn this into a positive? So uh, my logo is actually a bunch of triangles coming together, kind of building upwards. And those triangles represent everyone that was there for me and helped support me come back from my accident. So, you know, that's kind of what my, my facility is like.
7: That's so cool. I'm curious, what did you major in in college?
3: So I went in as a business major. And I remember sitting in accounting to, I swear to God, it was the female version of Ben Stein. And if you don't know who Ben Stein is, he's this very monotone um, professor from a movie called uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This guy that goes, Bueller, Bueller. And I go, I'm sitting there going, I hate numbers. I can't, I'll figure this out later. I'll understand the body and the movement and the psychology of it. Uh, and then I'll figure out the numbers later or I'll hire someone to figure the numbers out for me later. So business first, and then it became uh, kinesiology first and business dabblings.
7: Whoa, John, I started as a business ranger and then halfway through switched to exercise science.
3: Yeah, small world, right? It's like, I'm just sitting there like, this is not how my mind works. I can't do like economics. I remember sitting in microeconomics being like, get me out of here.
7: Same. I took micro and macro combined and oh it was like, this is not for me. I'll hire someone to do the numbers. I gotta mm-hmm. get into exercise science. Yep, yeah, yep. that's awesome. So so tell us about our team fitness as it is today, you know, seven years later. Um, what are the services that you offer? Kind of like what's the elevator pitch for the gym?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, you know, we were talking about a little bit this about this before we we jumped on here, but my business has really evolved in the seven years that we've been open. Um, pre COVID my goal, you know, and I'm, I was 25 at the time when we opened, um, let's get as many members in here as we can. Let's change lives. Let's get this place pumping. Let's make it like a party. Um, so we were rocking like 40, 50 people in circuit classes and that was fantastic. COVID hit lost 60 members in three days, had to readjust. And we were closed for, I think three months and I still had to pay my rent. So we had to readjust a little bit and I had to figure out like how am I going to pay my rent here and and how are we going to move forward with this because no one's going to want to be near each other like this again. So we really started to emphasize our small group personal training, um, differentiating like we're not just going to work out in these sessions, we're going to do mobility work, we're going to do some soft tissue work, we're going to have your own tablet at each station Um, and track your workout like my coach is walking over to you standing there with you and reviewing every exercise with you taking notes on every single exercise you know did you get every rep in did you have to drop your weight you know we want to know everything you know where did you come in and your shoulder was bothering you so the next time we come back to that workout we can see in the history like you know you had something going on it doesn't matter what coach comes in and works with you like the notes are there we can always come back and, and look at that um so the what my elevator pitch is, is to people when they come in is, you know, I don't even really elevator pitch them. You know, they come in and I meet with everyone one-on-one before they come in and actually sign up. But I tell them that right up front, like, I'm not going to sign you up on the phone here. I want to meet with you. I want to find out what's going on with you. I want to movement screen you to identify what exercises are going to be set you up for success in here, because you're not like the person standing next to you. You're not like the person that's working out and that's been here for five years. You've got injuries, you know, you've got different goals and we have to make sure we set that apart from you. So we're all about personal attention when you come in here. Um, we do still offer circuit classes in here, um, but they're not the main part of my business. Like you can't just buy, um, sorry, you can't just buy um, circuit classes from my facility because it it diminishes what we do as, as coaches and people don't give the same buy-in. They don't see the same results because they're not pushing themselves the same way as they are when you're tracking what they're doing, when you're having like individual personal conversations with them, not just like as they come through the door, but like throughout their whole workout, like you're finding out like, Hey, you know, you've been using 30 pounds for your rear foot elevated split squat for three weeks now, like what's going on here. This should be, you should be using like 40 pounds, 45 pounds now. Um, and that little extra buy-in there really helps set us apart um, from, from your other big box gyms. And, and we have quite a few of them around here. Um, not only that, but like we have, I was telling you before, we have little boutiques um, like Pilates and aerial yoga, um, some things that, you know, as what i do i look as a little bit more abstract um, but even those things don't track and push you and show results the same way that that we do in here so
7: yeah i love all the accountability pieces that you have like it really shows that you care about their progress and it also gets better results than just you know hoping that they're keeping themselves accountable and pushing their own weight up like that's really really cool that you track everything from like injuries to weight lifted reps that's super cool i think that's unique Um, so people are
3: investing a lot of money. You know, my cheapest membership is $252, which isn't the most expensive around, but it's also, you know, not chump change. So, you know, I want people to know that you're going to pay top dollar, but you're going to get a top dollar service. You know, you're, you're going to get your money's worth when you come in and work with us.
7: Yeah, absolutely. When you provide a service that's elevated, you can, you know, request an elevated price. So I think that's really smart um, for the listeners to, you know, charge what you're worth for sure. Um, I think a lot of people are, are afraid to do that. So I think that's smart. Um, but tell me about how you've been able to market the business, um, especially pre COVID to now, what have you done that hasn't worked so well? And then what have you tried that does work really well for you?
3: Yeah. Um, so I've gone through a couple different marketing companies and um, I've been told that I am the third hardest market to market in. And one of the things that makes it tough with, with my area is if you, take the, the radius of the Facebook ads and expand it more than about five miles. It actually reaches across the ocean into New York City, which can make mm-hmm. it very awkward when you have someone from Queens calling you, asking you about your services, and you're like, you're going to have to take a ferry here. Um, so some of, the, some of the things that, that are, have worked really well for me, um, let me, like should I talk about things that work bad first and then go to the things that worked well? I guess we'll go that way. Yeah,
7: the, well, didn't work.
3: yeah the, the things that have not worked well for me, um, I, the, the marketing companies that I've used didn't really have a plan. Um, you know, you know, as a business owner that you are like down in the trenches and you might be coaching, you might be budgeting, doing payroll, you know, creating email content, you know, chit chatting with members, you know, what, setting up systems. So sometimes things fall to the wayside. And for me, that was my 90 day marketing um, goals each month. It would just fall to the wayside and it makes no sense, but I would rely on the marketing company to do it for me. And they sucked, you know, they would just make this random crap up. And then I'd be like, what happened? This is not working. We wouldn't get any quality leads. They wouldn't set the, the budgets correctly. They wouldn't target correctly. So I get people being like, "How much is your gym?" I'm looking for twenty dollars a month. I'm like, "Well, you're not at the right place, then, my friend." Um, so you know, if you hire a marketing company and they're n- and you're not holding them accountable, uh, it's going to really run awry. Let me tell you that. Um, the company I'm using right now has been fantastic uh, because they are not just running Facebook ads for me, which I think was something that that all the other places that I worked with that was one of the main problems. I'm shelling out a lot of money to not only run the ads, but to have the company market it and manage it. So that you know, i was showing out like, let's say between 2,500 and 3000 bucks a month for some of these companies to do this. So it was almost like I didn't have any more budget to do anything else because that's, that was everything I had. It was all going towards Facebook. Um, the company that I'm using right now has been really great. Cause it's really been like an all prong approach. We are doing Facebook ads. Um, they're, they're meeting with me going over, like what things we're going to be running each month. Are we going to be like, we're doing a partner challenge right now that we're finishing up. I got nine leads from that. So every member that, you know, I gave everyone that was a member, an email, I bombed them with Facebook posts and text messages. Like, Hey, a hundred bucks buy-in and you and a friend and a friend for a hundred bucks, can take unlimited circuit classes and you can buy a discounted drop-in rate for for small group training. And we got, uh, you know, six groups to do it. Um, Each person has a partner that is not a gym member. So we're going to have, you know, I have six leads at the end of the month here. I'm looking at them here on the 11th um, that I'm going to be contacting. And these people have been coming in every single day. So I have a really good chance of, of signing these people up um, and getting six more members off of something that easy is, is a no brainer. Um, then we're also doing emails and they're also managing my social media. So my social media pushing the same message that my Facebook ads is pushing that my emails are pushing. Um, and yeah, you know, we're just doing a whole bunch of different things to make sure that we're pushing everything forward, um, together instead of just like individual chopped up, messages. Uh, and, and this is the other big thing. Um, make sure that when you're working with a marketing company, you are watching your Facebook budget because I've also been burned from a couple of companies that aren't paying attention, how much it's costing per lead. And they've wasted like hundreds of dollars um, company that I'm using right now. They're on it. They're, they're changing. If it's not working, they're pulling it. if it gets like above like 35, 40 bucks, they're pulling it. Um, and changing it up and stuff like that. So that's been long and short. That's been the stuff that's really been working well for me right now, marketing wise.
7: Yeah, that's awesome. I want to take a step even further back. What yeah. made you want to go with a marketing agency in the first place? Why have you gone that route I know, and not, you know, yourself I know what or I'm just? Good at,
3: and I know what I'm not good at. Um, and there's only so much time. Um, you know, could I learn how to run Facebook ads? absolutely i could learn do i have time no i have a one-year-old um we just got our our house finished and we moved into it and you know there's a lot of things going on in my life every second that i divvy towards something like that is going to pull from something else in my life and usually as a business owner what happens is our family life starts to suffer and and that's just not something i'm willing to budge on um, especially you know when i have this beautiful baby that's in her first year of life you know that's that's kind of important to me so I want to make sure I'm there for her um, in this time of her life so you know whenever I feel like I can pass a job off that I think either is not worth my time or someone can do a better more efficient job at it I'm I'm at a point now where I can start shuffling those things off yeah when I first opened I was doing everything I was doing video content creation I was doing you know, all that stuff. I was like boosting Facebook uh, posts because I didn't know how to do ads, but you know, you, you cite, you you stumble through it and and get through that part. And then as soon as you know, like put it on a board, like this is a job I don't want, (laughs) like, I don't want to be doing this. This is not where I like enjoy being or spending my time. And then once you, as soon as you can pass that off, like, boom, like get rid of it.
7: Yeah, totally. I think that's good advice. And we talked about you know, beforehand, that is one of your goals to be a little bit more hands-off, like more working on the business rather than in the business. So I'm curious, what's the next job you want to pass off? What are you looking to get off your plate next?
3: Well, I'm really trying to, I, I don't want the business to have to, I don't want to be a cog in the machine of my business. Like I don't want it to have to rely on me to do something. Um, I, my next goal is to hire an office manager you know, um, you know, we're looking to move into a new location here in the next year or so. Um, so I'm trying to ramp up our membership so that I can hire someone full-time to be an office manager slash coach, and then have someone be like a full-time head, uh, personal training coach to oversee all of the the programming and everything like that and coaching. So, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm still doing stuff in the background, but you wouldn't notice if I'm not at the gym.
7: Yeah, I think that's smart. A lot of people are afraid to relinquish any sort of power control over the business and then it just leaves them working 90 hours a week and, you know, they get sick and there is no business. Like that's, that's not, you know, practical either. So I think that's really smart. Um,
3: Very interesting way to think too, because, you know, you're basically giving yourself a job then instead of a career, Um, you know, you're, you're, if you're that attached to it and feel like your staff can't take over those jobs, then how are you failing as a leader to not prepare them? You know, what systems have you not put in place for them to be successful? And, and that's the way I kind of look at it. Like if my staff isn't doing something correctly, you know, it's my fault. You know, what, what didn't I do to prepare them for that? You know, it's yeah, it's like, a certain point it's my it's their fault, but you know, most times it's it's the leader's fault.
7: Yeah, you have to make yourself replaceable. I think mean, people don't like to admit that, but I think a sign of a good leader is you're able to be replaced because you've you've set up those systems and you've put people in a good place to to take over. So yeah, I think that's smart and a good thing to leave our listeners with. Um, what would you say is like the biggest challenge that you're facing right now in the business? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you mentioned like the time that you give, but if you could boil it down to one big challenge you're facing right now, what would that be?
3: The biggest challenge. So I don't know if uh, you remember me saying I hate numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're looking to do this move um, into the, the new location and having to budget and negotiate this new lease is because this is the last place I ever want to move my gym. Right. And, and having to negotiate, and budget, all this stuff is a little overwhelming for me because we're talking about spending money that I don't necessarily have right now. Um, you know, it's something I'm going to have to take a loan out for, but that's the most, I guess it's like opening a new business, right? It's the unknown. It's just, we're established. Um, we've been in business for seven years, like I said before, but that's the, that's the hardest part right now is, you know, I have a really great staff. Um and we're really starting to hit on all cylinders right now people are coming back into the gym so everything's working the way it should be it's i want to grow but how how much bigger do i want to grow um that's the tricky part is answering that question to yourself is like you know what do i want now you know we're we're in a really good spot um how how big do i want to take this
7: yeah, I think those are good problems to have and really good things to be asking yourself, especially you know now as you're as you're growing the business into a new location. Um, yeah. What would be your biggest piece of advice to somebody who wants to own their own gym? Like a lot of our listeners are aspiring gym owners. Um, if you could give them, you know, a word of wisdom about what it's like to to own a gym, what would that be? Oh
3: man, um, my word of wisdom on this. So I knew that I wanted to open up a gym probably around my junior year of, of college, maybe sophomore year of college. Um, I didn't actually open my gym until like six or seven years later because I was afraid of failing. Now, part of that was because of my my car accident, right? Like I had been condition that i have a disability now a learning disability i'm I'm disabled there's something wrong with me you know i'm not going to be able to do it because i have these problems now um get out of your head right um as long as you go in and you have a plan and a structure for how you're gonna you know meet with these members continue to meet with them work with them get them to their goals you know word is going to spread and and you know you'll be able to find the things that you don't do well you'll be able to find help somewhere and it's always good to kind of create a column your round table of support system the places where you kind of lack is where you should find that that support right for the people that like i'm not good at numbers so i make sure i have an accountant or a friend a friend that's really good with numbers that can fill that void for me you know um I had a, when I was first getting into the industry, I was not very personable, which I know Listen to this, you're like, shut up, John. Um, So I had a a mentor that helped show me empathy, you know, and and helped show me how to really connect with my members. Um, I had a, a mentor that helped fill my gap in knowledge that I didn't know, you know, training wise, and I still all use that stuff today. So, you know, you want to kind of find identify the things you're not good at and look for people who are good at those
7: things. I think that's such good advice. Yeah. Sometimes we, we always want to be like the hero of our, our own story and do it all ourselves. But yeah, if you can learn from someone who's done it before and, and shorten that journey, like do it, you know, <laughs> get help, ask for help um, and mentorship. Definitely. Um, well, John, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us. You have a really cool story. So I appreciate you opening up, um, with our listeners today, but before we let you go, where can we follow along? What's your social media? What's your website? Where can we find you?
3: Yeah. Um, so we're at our Uh, if you want to check out our website, um, and we're just our team Fitness on Instagram. Um, everything you see on my Instagram page is, is pictures from the gym, um, minus some recipes, and uh you know my marketing company handles all that stuff and and uh they do a great job so yeah that's where you can check us out
7: awesome yep. everyone check out ourteamfitness.com and ourteamfitness on instagram thank you again john for being on the show
3: thanks i appreciate it
7: absolutely to all of our listeners out there we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model click the link in the description and we'll be in touch soon